0: The Darkness Between Us, Dark Stories from the Uncanny Collective, Episode 11, The Barrow Man, by Chris Mitchell.
1: I was just a girl when my mother first told me about The Barrow Man. She pointed him out to me one night as me and my brother were watching the sun go down from our bedroom window. There goes the barrow man and his barrow, she said. Most important job in the village he has, and may God ever watch over him. I thought it was strange at the time, because to me there didn't seem that much remarkable about him. He was a funny-looking man, older than father had been, and he always wore the same set of grubby overalls and a wide-brimmed hat, which he kept pulled low over his eyes. He also had the most terrible stoop, on account of the squeaky cart he pushed along with him, up and down the hill every night until sun-up. The contents of the cart we never saw, for he always kept it covered with a tied sheet of tarpaulin, frayed and moulded at the hems. I wondered what he could be doing heading to work after everyone else had gone to bed, and once Mother had tucked us in, I asked Tommy if he knew anything about this barrow man who squeaked and grumbled in the night. Tommy had a way of finding out things other people wanted to keep a secret.
2: Billy Sale says he's a child catcher. Says it's his job to snatch up kids what creep out after dark. That's silly, Tommy. It is not. Billy's older brother went late getting home from the mine one night. The barrowman snatched him up and shoved him in his cart. They never saw him again.
1: Billy Sale is the biggest fibber in the village. If the barrowman was dangerous, mother wouldn't have said a prayer for him. That's because she was scared.
2: All the parents are. Why else do you think we're not allowed out once the barrowman starts his shift?
1: Because it would be too late and too dark to keep you out of trouble. Now go to sleep. And stop talking to Billy Sale. That boy will give you nightmares.
2: Better nightmares than getting snatched, right?
1: Good night, Tommy. He always seemed so sure, did Tommy? Maybe he'd even have convinced me on another night. All I knew was that I trusted my mother more than Billy Sale, and that night I let myself be rocked to sleep by the sound of the barrowman and a squeaky cart going about their rounds. (coughs) Our house used to sit at the end of the road, near the turn-off to the old churchyard, and on a clear night you could see all the way across the hills to the next village over. Tommy and I used to sit up those evenings and wait for the distant lights to come on, one by one like stars in the valley. People were moving away in them days, for there hadn't been much work around since the miner collapsed, but so long as we could see the lights there, we knew that we weren't alone, that we were safe. Oftentimes Tommy would fall asleep with his head pressed against the glass and I would carry him back over to his bed and tuck him in. Then I would return to the window and continue my vigil, watching for the barrowman and his cart to pass by, For his route always took him past our house, at least once a night. If he ever saw me, he never acknowledged me. So absorbed was he in whatever secret charge the village had him perform. Some nights I'd stay up until even the lights of our neighbours' houses had gone out and that's when I knew it was time for bed. And still, I'd hear, all through the night. I heard something last night. So did I, Tommy. It was just the Barrow man as usual.
2: No, it wasn't. It was a cry. Like someone in pain. Or or an animal. Or... I didn't hear anything. You sure you didn't imagine it? I'm sure, Tilly. It went on an awful long time. And and Billy heard it too. He said it's the sound ghosts make when they haven't been sleeping
1: good. I thought I told you not to trust a thing that came out of that boy's mouth.
2: You never believe me, but you're always asking me things. I don't think you really want to know, I think you're just being mean.
1: Look, come here, let me show you something. Look at all them lights there. You think all those people out there let themselves get scared of noises? No, of course not. We'll be growing up and getting old and they'll still be sleeping in their beds. You trust me, don't you? Yeah. Good. It's like Father always said, you don't look for monsters, you won't find any. Okay? Come on. Night, Tilly. Night, Tommy. The Barrow Man came late that night. The lights in the village were already off when I was woken by the sounds of his cart.
3: Fuck.
2: <gasps> Tommy?
3: he
2: stupid. Tilly, what's going on? Shh, come see What's he doing? Looks like he's upset his cart Spilled soil all over the road Why is he piling it back up on the cart, Tilly? What's he want with it? I don't know Do you think he's been burying something? I don't know
1: Keep watching
3: Damn villages More than they know what to do with Can't keep him down, can't let him lie. Hey, you up there!
1: Get down, Tommy!
2: Do you you think he saw us?
1: Stay low. I'm going to take a look.
3: Kid's looking out. Don't know what to do with him.
0: He's going.
2: Why is he limping like that? I don't know. I've never noticed that before. It looks like he's hurt his leg. He knows where we live, Tilly. He'll come after us. I
1: don't... I don't want to
2: go on the cart.
1: No one's going on the cart, Tommy. We'll just... We'll keep an eye out. See if we notice anything strange. Mother will know. Let's ask her. (laughs) All right. If it'll make you feel better, we'll ask Mother about it tomorrow morning. But... Don't mention anything about child snatching, okay? She'll never let us out again. We eventually fell asleep, and neither of us heard anything from the barrowman for the rest of the night. But that was the first time Tommy and I ever locked our bedroom door. Mother didn't seem surprised when we told her what we had seen that night. Though I poked and pried and Tommy did his best to skirt around the room as he'd picked up from the boys at school, we couldn't get anything more out of her than deflections and half-answers. "'He's old now,' she said. "'Been doing this job all his life. God watch over him. "'If he weren't around, I can't imagine what would happen.' As days went by, we started to try and drop the man casually into conversation, as if we could somehow surprise her into revealing what it was he got up to every night under the cover of darkness. My curiosity grew with every remark waved away— but for Tommy, it was like something else. What had once been fear in him was suddenly replaced by a sort of inquisitive energy. Here was a village secret that he couldn't ferret out, no matter how hard he tried. He started to stay awake as long as I did, watching for the barrowman to come, but always ducking out of sight whenever he saw him. No doubt egged on by the boys at school, he started straying further from his route home, seemingly both hopeful and fearful of encouraging the barrowman's anger. As for mother, she got steadily more irate every time we brought him up, in that way that parents do, until enough was enough. You two shouldn't be prying into the business of others, she said. It's not a matter for anyone your age. The barrowman works so the rest of us can sleep easy, and that's all I'm saying on the matter. That was that as far as she was concerned but later we found her crying over father's picture and we wondered if we had taken things too far. I always hated seeing mother break down like that and I hated even more that it might have been us that set it off. Sixty families in the valley had lost loved ones to the mine collapse, but somehow to us the grief always felt close. We stayed up that night, feeling guilty for pushing mother and reassuring ourselves that everything would be okay. There was something that connected it all, of that much we were certain. A secret that everybody knew but nobody spoke of. I fell asleep that night wondering what it could be. But I didn't sleep for long. Tommy? Tommy! Tommy, where are you? His shoes are gone. Tommy, what did you do? hid myself under the covers, listening to the sounds outside the window, and waited for Tommy to return. I was still waiting when the first rays of dawn started to creep in from behind the clouds, and the lights came on in the village. They looked for Tommy, of course. Every parent contacted friends and neighbours to spread word of his disappearance. The boys at school were asked repeatedly if they had had any contact with him. My mother pleaded and petitioned and cried some more. Only I suspected what had really happened. Tommy had gone out looking for the barrowman. And the barrowman had taken him. We barely spoke for weeks after, Mother and I. I didn't dare bring up my suspicions, lest she somehow blame me for his absence. Eventually, things seemed to settle into a sort of silent routine. We stopped bringing his name up in conversation. His former friends started to avoid my gaze in the playground. For everyone else, life in the village went on without a second thought. But for us, the world had grown listless, uninviting. And still, every night, the Barrow man came, pushing his cart of soil, sometimes bearing a new limp or a fresh scar, and ever unmolested by the searchers. I hadn't heard any more strange noises since the night Tommy disappeared, and I had begun to think I'd imagined it. The bedroom we shared seemed so much smaller without him. And one night, as I sat up, I thought about how we used to fill it with our wild stories and speculations. When I heard the familiar squeak of the Barrowman reach the window. That was the moment I decided to follow him. The next night, I put my idea into motion. I had everything planned, I think on some level it had been going through my head for a while. Mother and I ate our dinner in silence, and once we were done I made my excuses and headed to bed early. I lay awake until I heard the sounds of Mother's bedroom door opening and closing, then I quietly slipped out of bed and pulled on my jumper and shoes. The barrowman was beginning his rounds, and I was sure that if I just followed him on his nighttime route... I could find out what had happened to my brother. I'm coming, Tommy. I followed the sounds of the squeaky barrow down the road until I reached the turn-off to the old churchyard. Then I caught another familiar sound.
3: soil on the old Meg. Likely night tonight. Fond of you I was, till you turned bad. Still, I's the one with the shovel, and you ain't stirring for a moon yet.
1: He stood there by the graveside, quietly muttering to himself as he dug into the earth. Then there came the unmistakable sound of a knock on wood, and the barrowman unearthed the first coffin of the night.
3: <sighs> ah, ah, there you are. Ah, let's see what kind of a state you're in. Ah, you made a mess of this. I'll bring you a new lid tomorrow. Ain't about time. Huh? What's that? In nomine patris <sighs> e fili spiritus sancti mani requiesce in pace.
1: He did this for maybe an hour? turning the soil on grave after grave and saying the funny Latin phrase. Once he was finished, he started piling fresh earth up in that barrow of his and securing it with a tarpaulin sheet so that none would spill out. Then he wheeled the barrow round and started pushing it back up the hill, towards the edge of the village. Had Tommy witnessed what I had witnessed? Was he perhaps lying out there somewhere, sealed up in a coffin as punishment for spying? I didn't know but the barrowman's rounds had only just begun. I had to see where he went next. I followed him, out the other side of the churchyard and back up the main road. I kept my distance and hugged the shadows lest he turn around suddenly and catch me. The windows of my neighbour's houses were dark, but there was a full moon that night, so the way through the village was lit with a sort of shimmering silver light. I hurried on after the stooping, limping figure all the way up the hill and down the dirty country road until he reached the track that led up to the old mine. This was further from home than I'd ever been before and I hesitated for a moment as the squeaking sound grew more distant. Mother had always warned us to stay away from the mine. It was a bad place, in her words. Still, if Tommy had come this far, I had to be sure. I crept up the slope after the barrowman, reaching the top just in time to see him disappearing into the dark mouth of the mine entrance. He kept his eyes cast downwards, fixated on the cart of soil as that cold, staring pit appeared to swallow him whole. I slowed up, catching my breath, as the sound of the barrow came echoing back out at me. Tommy, what did you do? I shivered a little in the soft, wailing wind. Then, stealing myself, I crept forwards into the tunnel. The mine had been abandoned for many years then, and a sort of rotten, musty air filled the tunnel. I felt it on my skin as I moved quietly through the darkness. The squeak of the cart came echoing from somewhere ahead of me, and as I tiptoed round a corner, I began to see the soft glow of some orange light ahead in the tunnel the barrowman had taken out a lantern and was holding it aloft as he made his way deeper into the mine. I kept close to the wall as I followed him, down another passage and then on a little way until he stopped at the pile of rubble that marked the edge of the collapse. The boards were rotten and chewed up as if by rats and I crouched behind an outcrop of rock as I watched his next move. Damn <sighs> ah,
3: Dumb leg. You ain't taking another swipe at me, not unless you claw your way out again. In nominate Patrick's affiliate, Spiritus Sancti. Huh?
1: What was that? I flattened my body against the tunnel wall as the barrowman swung his lantern round towards me. In the orange light it cast, I caught a glimpse of something lying. Abandoned next to me on the ground.
0: <sighs> Tommy Shoe is <He's> here somewhere.
2: <sighs> oh, I'm <in>. sorry. <sighs> Nobody's <sighs> Help us! Free us! No! No! What?
3: Quiet, girl. Stay very still. The boards are weak all around here. Don't move. Stay right where you are.
2: Where's
1: Tommy? What did you do with
2: him? I said quiet.
3: Now listen. You're in the deeper mine. The right a way up from there. Not anymore. So we have got to focus on keeping you safe until I can find something to fish you out with.
1: I don't believe you. You were burying the miners. They were still alive and you were burying them.
3: They weren't alive. You don't understand!
1: You want to keep me safe? What about my brother? I know he came here too, did you bury him too?
3: If he came here and he returned then... I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry.
0: (gasps) What was
1: that? They're coming. Who's coming? What's down here?
3: Listen, you need to do exactly as I say. Put your back against the wall. Make yourself as small as possible, and stay quiet. Very good, nice and calm, that's it. What's your name, girl?
1: Tilly? Matilda.
3: Matilda, good name, means mighty, brave, like you need to be right now. I need to go and fetch your rope, but you see me, I can't move very fast these days. Until I get back, you need to stay as quiet as possible. Do not move from that spot. But... what... Don't ask questions. We're wasting time. Remember what I said, Sally. Stay calm, stay quiet. I'll be back as soon as I can.
1: He smiled down at me through the broken boards 20 feet above my head, and I saw for the first time that, beneath the hat and the scars, he had a kindly face. Then he limped off towards the cave entrance, and I was left alone in the dark. I don't know how long I waited there. The very scent of the mine felt as if it was pressing into me on all sides. As my eyes grew accustomed to the gloom, I began to see that the walls of the passage were lined with deep gouges, like those left behind by some wild animal. There looked to be hundreds of them all criss-crossing over each other as if whatever had left them had made frequent attempts to claw its way up the rock face. I reached down and touched the wall behind me. More claw marks. Something wet to the touch. I felt completely helpless then. Lost to the darkness, with no way out. (sighs) for my life, ran as fast as I could down the passage, away from the sounds that echoed through the mine. I had no idea where I was going. Any notion of staying put had been completely forgotten. My breath came short as I tore down the tunnel, my feet swollen from the stony floor. I didn't cry. I was too scared to cry. I just wanted out. I wanted home. Then I saw it. A shaft of moonlight peeking down at me from a gap in the rocks far above. From the outside, a sound, a new well. Help!
3: Help! Tilly, I thought I told you to stay put. Help,
2: i all, all right,
3: hang on. I found you a roll. Right, take the end and hold on. I'm gonna pull you up.
2: Quickly! Wow.
3: Tilly, shut your eyes, no!
1: I felt my feet leave the ground as the creatures swarmed beneath me, but I didn't dare. I did what I was told, shut my eyes and surrendered to the darkness. It was all I could do to keep a grip on the rope as the Barrow Man hauled me up the rock face. Beneath me, in the tunnel, I could hear the creatures snapping and spitting and swiping at the air to reach me. I didn't know how many there were. I didn't want to. Soon I felt cold air on my face and a strong pair of hands gripping me and then I was pushed away from the shaft against the tunnel wall as the barrow man threw aside the coil of rope and snatched up his shovel.
3: Run!
2: Get out of here!
3: Might not be time. I need to turn the soil on them. Go! No!
2: Tommy?
3: Not Tommy. Don't listen to it. Silly. go in the patricis a spirit of sanctity
2: get
3: back down there you ugly
1: i didn't stop running until i reached home a cloud had fallen over the moon so it was harder to find my way back down the unfamiliar roads but eventually i made it mother was still asleep like nothing had happened as i crept back into the house and up the stairs to my bedroom Then, I cried. I cried hard for the longest time. Cried for Tommy and everything that had happened in the mine. Cried for Mother, who must have always known deep down. Eventually, once I had no more tears left, I stopped and sat in silence, in the dark. Staring out the window, Waiting for the barrowman to return. As the night faded and morning grew, I had still seen neither hide nor hair of him. But when the lights all came on in the village over, I knew that everything was well, that we were safe for another night. Then I heard it. There! (laughs) He's there! The barrowman came at last, pushing his barrow down the road, his shift finally over. He glanced up at my window as he passed, and I saw a fresh scar beneath the wide-brimmed hat he always wore pulled low. I wondered what he had been through, and in that moment I thought back to my mother's original words. I knew how they ended now. God ever watch over the barrowman for he ever watches over us. I didn't stay up to watch the Barrow Man after that night. My natural curiosity had disappeared. Unsurprising, really. Some things are better left well alone. Some secrets better left buried. I never mentioned the events of that night to Mother, nor indicated how close she had come to losing both her children. We grew older, moved on with our lives ever with this unspoken memory in the back of our minds. When Mother died, I stayed on, living in the same old house in the same old village, married a postman, had children of my own. They sleep in my old room now, me and Tommy's, and I always tell them, listen out for that squeaky wheel, watch for the lights to come on in the valley, and then you'll know you're safe, that you're protected. Tonight, there were no lights in the village over, no stars in the valley, no barrowman squeaking and grumbling his way through the darkness, turning the soil to keep the dead sleeping peacefully. Something's happened to him, and now I can hear noises coming from the road, horrible noises, familiar noises. There are many villages and many barrowmen. Many graveyards and accidents and burial sites all needing attention. How many? I don't know. What remains of them now? What is there left to do? God
0: help me. I am afraid. The Darkness Between Us was created by the Uncanny Collective. The Barrowman was written by Chris Mitchell and starred Natalie Winter, Connor Meddings, Dave Jones, and Sarah Lynham. Theme music by Nick Samuel. Sound recorded, mixed, and produced by Connor Allen and Sarah Lynham. Uncanny Collective are Connor Allen, Steve Fitzgerald, Paul Linghorn, and Sarah Lynham. Please visit uncannycollective.co.uk for information about upcoming shows and events. And follow us on social media using the links in the description below. The Darkness Between Us is supported by Horrified. Check out their website at horrifiedmagazine.co.uk.